This podcast is sponsored by Fantasy Data, one of the industry's top fantasy football data providers. FantasyData.com offers hardcore fans the ability to download statistics and projections, as well as to get their hands on some of the best premium fantasy football content in the industry, all at a very reasonable price. This year, Fantasy Data has created two new premium features that are getting a lot of buzz. These are really great. They're the Advanced Efficiency Metrics and the Advanced Player Performance Metrics. Both of these pages are sortable, and you can check out quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end to check out all the positions, sort by various metrics. And this is a great way to find some nuggets and spot sleepers, breakout candidates, guys who are going to bust. you got to check these pages out. Check out FantasyData.com today, and we've hooked you guys up. If you use our promo code GRIDIRON20, like the website Gridiron Experts, you'll get 20% off your subscription for 2019 at FantasyData.com. That promo code is GRIDIRON20, GRIDIRON20. Check out FantasyData.com today. Here comes the, here comes the, here comes the, y'all don't really want it like going on welcome back to another episode of the dynasty degenerates podcast jared is out again this week so i'm going to give you another solo show my name is mark leopold you can find me on twitter at leopold nfl check out our website at gridironexperts.com twitter at gridiron experts and today we're just going to do a follow-up show to last week's episode which talked about taxi squad stashes for afc teams Uh, We're getting to that time of the year. Uh, Today is actually Thursday the 29th, so that's when all the Week 4 preseason games are. So roster cuts will be coming very shortly for NFL teams, which means probably in Dynasty Leagues roster cuts are coming very shortly as well. Part of that will be deciding who's going to be on your taxi squad for this year. I talked about sort of what the taxi squad is, how you want to set that up for your Dynasty League last week, so go back and listen to that if you missed that one. Uh, so today we're just going to dive right in. We're going to talk about players from the NFC uh, that could find a uh, good spot on your taxi squad, players that you might want to be stashing. So we'll start out in the NFC East. We'll do the Dallas Cowboys first. One name that you could put on your taxi squad here is Mike Weber. Uh, he's a pretty deep name here. Obviously a lot of hype around Tony Pollard this offseason with regards to the Ezekiel Elliott contract holdout. Uh, Tony Pollard certainly looks to be the first in line to be the the backup to Ezekiel Elliott. If he does return, he might have some standalone value. And Pollard looks like he'll probably be almost a full-blown workhorse if Elliott does miss time with the contract holdout. However, uh, Mike Weber was also on that depth chart. He was a seventh-round pick this year out of Ohio State and really just flew under the radar because in his final season at Ohio State, uh, he took a step backwards in terms of production. That's largely due to the fact that J.K. Dobbins was added to that team uh, and he started producing at a high level. He's likely going to be a relatively high draft pick next year, Um, so Weber can certainly be forgiven for not producing at the same level. But the the year before that, his sophomore season, he went over 1,000 yards, so he's a very productive player at a very big school. Uh, We know he can do it, and he racked up almost six yards per carry at Ohio State, which is very impressive in the Big Ten. Uh, College target share was over the 50th percentile, but not amazing. So he does have what works out to be mostly an all-purpose skill set. Um, slightly undersized at 5'10", 211. I'd like to see that more at 215, 220, but, but good size, and he's got the 82nd percentile speed score. Uh, so that's what you like to see. We don't have burst numbers. I imagine those would be solid as well. Uh, not very agile, but again, um, in a guy you want on early downs, you want to see that speed score. You'd like to see the burst score as well, uh, but he's got the size. So 
he's a guy that could step in and have a nice role potentially if Zeke does miss time. Maybe he'll be a compliment to Tony Pollard. So you never know. But if things go south, he's a guy that could work himself into a role. And for really, really deep leagues, another guy I'd like to throw out from Ohio State as well, uh, Noah Brown, seventh-round draft pick as well by the Cowboys. Uh, he hasn't really done anything yet at this point, but at Ohio State, he was a solid producer, uh, really known for his strong hands, making catches in traffic, and uh, his contested catch ability is very strong. Uh, he wasn't really a big breakout producer there, broke out relatively late, didn't exactly dominate in college, uh, but still sort of has kept his way on the roster, and that's that's good enough in some cases, so it's a really deep league before you'd be rostering him in any situation, uh, but if things do go south for some of the other receivers on that team, he's a guy that could work himself into some playing time. So we'll move over to the New York Giants. Um, this is probably not a taxi squad guy, depending on your league settings. He's almost 28 years old, so I highly doubt it in most cases. However, Rod Smith, another Ohio State player here, um, I think he's probably the backup to Saquon Barkley. Conventional wisdom at this point probably says that's Wayne Gallman, uh, but I do think Rod Smith is the better player. Really, we haven't seen much of him because he spent his entire college and professional career backing up Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, however, he's 6'3", 226, so he's got the size we like. Obviously, he didn't have the production in college, so we don't really want to read too much into that because he was behind Elliott. Been behind Elliott ever since he was in Dallas. Uh, but he has gotten a little bit of run here and there, and he's looked pretty good. He seems to have an all-purpose skill set. Uh, we don't have much in the way of athletic testing. So it's kind of just a dart throw. This is for pretty deep leagues as well. And really, he's just sort of a handcuff, nothing more than that. He won't have standalone value uh, with Barkley taking the lead duties. Um, guy you could definitely stash on your taxi squad in regular size leagues, Darius Slayton. Uh, he was the Giants' fifth-round pick this year, wide receiver out of Auburn. Uh, he's got really good speed. He ran a 4.39 at 6.1190, so that's pretty impressive. Works out to a 77th, 77th percentile speed score. Um, not super dominant in college, about a quarter of Auburn's passing offense ran through Slayton, but he did have almost 20 yards per reception, just over 19, so 19.1. Uh, that's a 90th percentile college yards per reception, so he is a downfield threat, and really the point of stashing Darius Slayton is that's a, a type of player that the Giants are pretty much missing at this point. Uh, you'd figure that their starting receivers, once Golden Tate's back from suspension, include Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard. Uh, so what they're really missing is a guy on the outside who can stretch the field and get down for those deep balls. The question being whether they have a quarterback that can deliver them. Uh, we know Daniel Jones has looked pretty good in preseason, so uh, there's some hope there. But Darius Slayton, definitely a guy I'd be stashing based on his role on the team and the position relative to the other wide receivers he plays. Uh, certainly a guy that could work his way into some opportunity sooner rather than later. If we jump over to the to Philadelphia Eagles, uh, one guy has been getting a lot of preseason buzz. Probably not going to be a taxi squad guy because you'll probably have just have him on your active roster. Um, I would sort of suggest you put him on your taxi squad because I don't think he's going to be a year one breakout. So I don't see a reason to have him on your bench unless you have other deep guys that you want on that taxi squad. Uh, but J.J. Arcega-Whiteside certainly a guy that I would expect to be producing more in year two and three uh, rather than year one. The Eagles offense is absolutely loaded this year. Uh, so our Sega Whiteside is a guy I'd probably look to put on the taxi squad if I had him. Uh, good size, 6'2", 225. A very, very dominant player at Stanford. Uh, over 40% of their passing offense ran through him. Almost 17 yards per catch. Broke out at a young age, under 20 years old. Um, so now he's 23, which is solid, entering the NFL. 
Uh, he's got a good speed score, 88th percentile, 107.4 speed score on player profiler. So that's very impressive. Otherwise, relatively uninspiring athletically. Uh, but he is one of those big guys that can go up and make contested catches. Very good hands. Um, so you'd figure he'd probably be a red zone weapon when he does get some playing time. can also stretch the field, go down for those deep balls uh, with the size and speed. So uh, he's a guy that could certainly produce some pretty good numbers for fantasy purposes especially if you, when you look at their wide receiver situation and figure it could look very different one or two years from now. Uh, so the other guy I'm going to throw out very, very deep leagues here, Matt Collins, uh, for a lot of the same reasons. He's another one of those size speed guys, 6'4", 221. I ran a 4.53, which is solid, but for his size, that works out to a 90th percentile speed score, uh, size adjusted, so that's impressive. Um, really what I like about Hollins Absolute big play monster in college at North Carolina. Over 22 yards per reception, 97th percentile. So very few college receivers uh, produce at a better level than that. Um, and for a lot of the reasons I like Whiteside, I like Mac Collins as well. Uh, that wide receiver depth chart could look very different in a year or two. Uh, Mac Collins doesn't really duplicate anybody's skill set on the team except for our Sega Whiteside. Um, so certainly a guy that you could see surface on the radar a year or two from now. Uh, obviously, depending on your taxi squad rules, he might not be eligible. Um, so if he's not, he's the kind of guy you could stick on the end of a very, very deep bench, but you could probably acquire for basically nothing at this point. And last team here, Washington Redskins. There's actually a couple things to like on this team. I know they don't have too much hype this year, uh, but they do have some interesting skill position players that are under the radar, uh, one of whom being Bryce Love. He was a fourth-round pick, but an early fourth-round pick, so you like to see that. I've talked about that in previous shows. Uh, he's undersized at 5'9", 200, but at Stanford we did definitely see him demonstrate an all-purpose skill set. Uh, accounted for about 30% of Stanford's offense. That works out to a 67th percent college dominator rating. Uh, so pretty impressive there. And what a lot of people forget just because it wasn't his final season at Stanford was he was a Heisman candidate, a Heisman finalist and had an incredibly impressive season that year. Uh, so just because it wasn't his most recent season uh, doesn't necessarily mean he doesn't have that ability anymore. We know he's had some injury history. Uh, but the upside is absolutely there, and the biggest problem really is just Darius Geis. Um, but we know he's had some injury history as well, obviously missed his entire rookie season with an ACL tear. Uh, so if Darius Geis does miss any more time, Adrian Peterson's obviously getting up there in years. Bryce Love could be one of those guys that steps in and gets some touches. Uh, and that's why he's really a taxi squad guy. Low probability, but certainly high upside, uh, given what he did at the college level. And the other guy I want to stash, we know we've heard a lot about Terry McLaurin this offseason, this preseason. He's impressed. He's an athletic freak. So I'm not going to mention him because you probably want him on your active roster. He could be a year one producer. So I'm going to throw out Kelvin Harmon. He was the sixth round pick, so drafted after McLaurin. Uh, but he's got very good size, 6'2", 221. He's one of those big outside alpha wide receivers. Um, not much to like athletically. He ran a 4'6", but at his size, that still works out to a 71st percentile speed score. Uh, otherwise, bottom percentile for agility, burst, catch radius. Uh, but you do like to see that he dominated in college. Over half of, or sorry, over 30% of North Carolina State's passing offense ran through Kelvin Harmon. It's a 54th percentile college dominator, so that is above average. Um, that's good. I like to see that, especially in the absence of some of the athletic testing. I'd rather see the college nominator, and I'd like to see a young breakout age, 45th percentile, at just under age 21. So not bad, but I'd like to see that better at a school like NC State. You'd like to see him get on the field earlier and produce at a younger age. Um, 
almost 15 yards per catch. That's right in the middle of the pack. Um, so Harmon, not a guy that really blows you away, but he's one of those guys that the film grinders love. Uh, obviously, one of the traits, wide receivers, people won't rave about his hands. A lot of people thought he might have the best hands in the class. Um, I, for one, am inclined to agree with that. His hands are very good. Contested catch situations are where he shines. So he's one of those guys you post up on the outside, you throw it up to him and let him go get it. And uh, definitely could work his way into a red zone role, potentially. Washington's another wide receiver core that could look very, very different in a year or two. Uh, so Kelvin Harmon's a guy that I would definitely be stashing on my taxi squad. Probably not a year one guy like some of these others, but year two or three, uh, certainly a possibility. And let's shift gears here to the NFC North, a division with plenty of interesting players, although they're mostly on one team. Uh, so we'll start with the Chicago Bears. There's only one guy here really that I think is sort of a taxi squad stash, uh, and that's Javon Wims. Depending on your league settings, he might not be eligible. However, uh, he does have some some parts of his profile here to like. Um, 6'3", 215, so good size, good speed. Ran a 4'5", 3, which isn't great, but at his size, that works out to an 83rd percentile speed score. Uh, he was a 7th round pick, so no real draft capital behind him. But he's made some impressive plays in preseason since entering the NFL. Um, and he's one of those sort of contested catch wide receivers. You can throw it up to him on the outside, use him in the red zone, and he can make big plays like that. Um, so the numbers don't really tell the full story here. Uh, Wims didn't do too much that really blows you away in college. Um, just over a 28% dominator rating, under the 50th percentile, but just barely. Uh, yards per reception, over the 50th percentile, is 16 yards per reception. Uh, so solid there, but he did break out very late. You can sort of rationalize that away because he went to the University of Georgia. Obviously, Georgia is one of those schools like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, that just has tons of talented players. Um, we saw that they've had several wide receivers in the last couple of years drafted into the NFL. So you can certainly forgive him for not getting playing time right away. Um, however, outside of his speed score, there's not much to like athletically. Uh, so it's really a dart throw that if potentially they move on from Allen Robinson in a year or two, um, that depth chart could look a little different. I think it's very unlikely. So this is a pretty deep stash, uh, but that's the reason we have taxi squads. Uh, Detroit Lions, I think, have more interesting names here. Uh, so I'm going to throw out Ty Johnson, rookie running back out of Maryland. Sixth-round pick this year. He's got really good speed, ran a 4.45, which is 92nd percentile. Uh, he's a little bit undersized, so adjusted. That's a little bit lower, but still very, very impressive. Uh, he's 5'11", 210. So like I said, a little bit undersized, probably will play a satellite back role. I think the biggest thing you like about Ty Johnson is that already since they drafted him, the Lions have cut Theo Riddick. Uh, so Ty Johnson could have a day one role, really. Um, so that really might be the only reason you don't want him on the taxi squad, is he might be producing right away. Uh, Johnson, not a super producer in college, uh, but he was efficient when called upon and had a decent college target share, 6.4. I'd like to see that much higher. However, Maryland's one of those teams that uh, not great quarterback play, and so you can rationalize away some of Johnson's lack of production. But you really, really like the athletic testing, especially the speed score here. Um, so uh, he's the kind of guy that I think the numbers might lie. They might be a little misleading here. And I think his ceiling is much higher than those indicate. So definitely a guy I'd like to draft at the end of all my rookie drafts. Uh, depending on how deep the league is, he could be a taxi squad candidate. If your bench is deep enough, he could be a guy you put right on the bench. and You could expect potential production in year one. Uh, the other guy I'm going to throw out, not a taxi squad guy, uh, but I think you can get him super cheap and I think he's being overlooked, is Jesse James. Obviously, tight end, formerly of the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
He's 6'7", 261 pounds. So he's a big boy, uh, not a blocking tight end, really. Much more one of those, you know, go up and get it, throw it up high, throw it in the red zone, use him in the red zone area. One of those types of tight ends. Uh, and at that size, that's exactly what he should be used for. Uh, he had definitely had some upside at times in Pittsburgh. Uh, but really, the point here is that Detroit does not have an established tight end. They obviously drafted TJ Hawkinson in the first round, early first round. Um, so you'd expect him to get the starting job right away. However, we know rookie tight ends have a very, uh, let's say, lackluster history of year one production. So I think it's certainly possible Jesse James gets plenty of snaps, plenty of playing time, and could produce at a decent level. Probably you only want him if it's a tight end premium league. I don't think there's much juice as far as having him as a top 12 tight end. Uh, so in normal depth leagues, there's probably not too much appeal. But if you're looking for a second tight end or you're in a tight end premium league, he's probably going to outproduce his value here, and you can get him for very, very cheap. So I'll move on to the Packers. I think they're probably one of the most interesting teams as far as deep skill position players that you can stash on a taxi squad or on the end of a deep bench. Uh, we'll start with Dexter Williams. Uh, he got some buzz around draft time. Uh, because the Packers were unwilling to publicly commit to Aaron Jones. Seems like they've pretty much done that at this point. Uh, Aaron Jones, the presumptive lead back. However, Dexter Williams has a pretty impressive profile, and I think the Packers as an organization don't have as much commitment to Aaron Jones as some other teams do to their running backs. So I think he's precarious, let's put it that way. So Dexter Williams, six-round pick, uh, no real draft capital, but then again, neither does Aaron Jones. Uh, but Williams, 5'11", 212, slightly undersized, but still certainly good enough size to be an every down back. Um, 76th percentile college dominator rating, exactly 33%. So about a third of Notre Dame's offense went through him. Uh, 6.3 yards per carry, and against Notre Dame's schedule, if that's pretty impressive. That's a 77th percentile mark. I would have liked to see more targets in the passing game under a 5% target share, so that's concerning. You'd like to see that better, uh, but again, I think that's another one of those numbers that it probably doesn't really truly illuminate his ceiling. Notre Dame, not a prolific passing team, um, not a team that really involves the running backs in the passing game too much. So I think that one's probably one you can overlook or excuse away. Athletically, middle of the pack, above average, but not great. Uh, 53rd percentile speed score, 86th percentile burst, 78th percentile agility. Uh, so certainly not elite, but absolutely good enough to get the job done. And pretty much the biggest draw here is I figure he'll probably beat out Jamal Williams, who's unexciting in almost every way, uh, which makes him the backup to a sort of precarious and potentially injury-prone running back on a good offense. Uh, so it's a lot to like there. And we'll hit a couple of wide receivers here. The Packers have one of the deepest wide receiver groups uh, as far as players that you could stash on a taxi squad. Um, one guy I like that I was really all in on last year, they drafted three receivers, one of them being Jamon Moore out of Missouri. Uh, he was a fourth-round pick, late fourth-round pick. And at Missouri, he didn't exactly blow the competition away as far as market share, but Missouri was such a prolific passing offense while he was there that you can rationalize away the college dominator just based on the raw output. He was extremely, extremely productive. Uh, still just below average as far as college dominator goes, but 16.5 yards per catch, impressive mark there. Uh, broke out relatively young, just over age 20. Uh, at an SEC school, that is impressive enough that, that I'm okay with that. But athletically, very impressive player. 
just over the 50th percentile speed score, but 70th percentile burst, 98th percentile agility. Which gives him a 97th percentile, 97th percentile catch radius. So very, very impressive player athletically. Um, and the Packers, outside of Devontae Adams, I would say it's precarious at best. Uh, they've got Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You figure they open up as the two and three this year. Uh, but who knows what it'll look like beyond that, and who knows how committed they are to either of those players. So I think Jamon Moore, a guy that I'd like to stash, if he's not eligible for taxi, he's probably cuttable. I, I don't expect anything, but then again, these taxi squad guys almost never actually pan out. And the other guy, for a lot of similar reasons here, Alan Lazard, a very impressive athletic player. 88th percentile speed, 74th percentile burst, 26th percentile agility, so that's the lackluster one, but he's one of those big guys. So it doesn't necessarily need to be particularly agile. Um, so I like the speed and burst there. 6'3", 225. Uh, so like I said, outside player. You don't really need the agility as much. Uh, Lazard, very impressive player at Iowa State. Uh, about a third of their passing offense went through him. Wasn't too much of a downfield threat, but he did break out very young. 19.7, that's 72nd percentile breakout age on player profiler. And the biggest thing about that that I like is that Hakeem Butler couldn't do it, and he was a highly regarded receiver coming into this year by most draft analysts. Uh, picked in the fourth round, whereas Lazard went undrafted. Uh, so a lot of things to like about Lazard, and for a lot of the same reasons as Jamon Moore, I'm interested in stashing him in deep leagues. And the last guy here on the Packers is Jay Sternberger, rookie tight end out of Texas A&M, picked in the third round. Uh, 6'4", 251, so probably not an every-down tight end yet. You'd like to see him a little bigger than that. Uh, but certainly one of the pass-catching move tight ends uh, that could thrive for fantasy purposes. Uh, he's probably not a year one guy, so that's why I think he's an ideal taxi squad candidate. Uh, very impressive college player in the SEC, so I like to see all these things across the board, basically. Uh, almost a third of Texas A&M's passing offense ran through him for a tight end. That's incredibly impressive, over the 90th percentile uh, for dominator rating. Uh, deep ball threat, which you don't always see out of tight ends, but when you do, that's very encouraging as far as fantasy upside. Uh, Sternberger, over 17 yards per catch in college. Uh, doesn't blow you away athletically, but above average and good enough. Um uh, so definitely, definitely a guy I'd like to stash on a depth chart that doesn't really have established tight ends, and you, you figure it could be anybody a year or two from now. So it certainly might as well be Jay Sternberger, and I, he th he's absolutely worth a stash. And last team here, we'll hit the Vikings. Um, they don't have anybody that really blows me away. I do kind of like Dylan Mitchell, rookie wide receiver out of Oregon. He was picked in the seventh round. Um, Pretty impressive athletically, up, uh, upper-ish percentiles across the board, uh, 60th percentile range, uh, speed, burst, agility. So solid, above-average athlete, doesn't blow you away. Uh, but 6'1", 197, so pretty good size. And he was impressive in college, uh, accounted for over a third of Oregon's passing offense and almost 16 yards per catch. Good but not great. Um, broke out relatively young, just over age 20. At a major conference school like that, that's good. I'd like to see it a little younger, ideally, but uh, certainly good enough there. Uh, so a lot to like here. And really, the big thing about Minnesota's depth chart is it's Stephon Diggs and it's Adam Thielen. And then there's really not much behind it. So you might as well throw some darts at these guys that could be productive. Um, they did draft Irv Smith and they've got Kyle Rudolph. Uh, but Kyle Rudolph's contract is such a fake extension that he'll probably be gone in a year, maybe two. Um, 
And if Irv Smith doesn't happen to pan out or he's slow to develop, uh, that third receiver there could be interesting. Certainly could be Dylan Mitchell. There's no reason for it not to be. And so we'll just hit on Irv Smith as well. Um, probably not a taxi squad guy, I'm guessing, just because you drafted him relatively early in rookie drafts. However, I think he probably should be because Kyle Rudolph is obviously there for this year. I've talked a little bit in other shows about his contract. It's not a real extension. I mean, he's guaranteed for this year, uh, but there's no real dead cap after this. There's not really much guaranteed money. Um, so very bad extension for Kyle Rudolph, very good for the team. So they're likely to get out of that before it's over, I would think, uh, which makes Irv Smith interesting year two, year three. Um, and again, he's a tight end, so you probably shouldn't expect much in year one anyway. Um, so he's definitely a guy I would consider on the taxi squad, even if you picked him relatively early in drafts. Very impressive player. Um, at Alabama, you can certainly rationalize away the dominator rating because he was sharing a field with so many impressive players. Uh, but still solid production level from Irv Smith. Uh, over 16 yards per catch is the one that I really like to see. Uh, he was getting downfield, uh, which is good because they finally have a quarterback that can throw the ball. And they have some talented receivers, so to know that they were using Irv Smith downfield, uh, very encouraging sign as far as his pass-catching ability goes. And I like the 71st percentile speed score. Ran a 4.63. And at his size, you know, that's good, but not great. But it's certainly above average at 71st percentile speed score. So I'd like to see that. Um, gives you a lot of hope that Irv Smith could be a deep ball threat. Eh, I say that lightly. A downfield threat, respective to tight ends. Uh, so he certainly has upside. And, again, I think he's probably a year two or three guy. So I do actually like him as a taxi squad guy. And let's move over to the NFC South. We'll start with the Atlanta Falcons. A couple of interesting running backs here. I think that should be relatively obvious given the depth chart of Devontae Freeman, who could be off the team, could be out of the league, could be injured before too long. I hate to say, uh, an impressive player, but his career could be coming to an end sooner rather than later, sadly. And then Ito Smith behind him. Um, so you got to like the other guys, especially on an offense like that that can score plenty and move the ball quite well. So I do like Brian Hill uh, best of these two, but they're both interesting for that reason. So we'll start Brian Hill. Uh, running back out of Wyoming, he was a fifth-round pick originally. Uh, he's moved around a bit here, but found a spot on the Falcons. And he's got bell cow size, 6'1", 219. Uh, so that's good size. He was very, very productive in college, 34% uh, dominator rating. Sharing a field with Josh Allen. I mean, he's the guy that the offense focused on. He's the one the offense ran through. Uh, it was Brian Hill. It was not Josh Allen. Uh, so impressive college career in the context of the offense he was in. Uh, would have liked to see a little more passing game usage, but 7.8% target share in college is above the 50th percentile. Um, so certainly good enough, especially when you consider that Wyoming was not a team that passed the ball much and did not pass the ball to the running backs much. Uh, they were really a, a run-first team. So Im impressive enough marks. Um, good athletic measurables, 74th percentile speed, above average burst and agility. Uh, so Brian Hill... Yeah, Good but not great, or good to great but not amazing in anything really. Uh, but very strong overall profile, just strong. Uh, so it could certainly be the lead back. There would be a lot stranger things that have happened um, in a year or two. So definitely a guy, if he's still eligible for your taxi squad, that I'd be looking to stash hoping for uh, some playing time next year. and <laughs> Theoretically, maybe this year, but uh, really I think I'm hoping mainly for next year, thinking that's more realistic. 
Uh, the other guy being Quadri Olson. Uh, he's a rookie out of Pittsburgh. Uh, decent enough college profile here. Just over a quarter of their total offense ran through him. Uh, above average college dominator, just barely. Uh, target share similar to Brian Hill. Uh, size similar to Brian Hill, 6'1", 228. Uh, just not quite as impressive, impressive athletically. Speed score about the same, but burst and agility both 10th percentile or lower. Um, so just they're very, very similar players, very similar profiles, but Brian Hill a little more athletic. Um, so I definitely lean towards him. Uh, but both players are impressive, and we've heard a little bit of talk that Allison's going to get goal line work. Whether that happens remains to be seen, uh, but both certainly guys you can stash. I'll move over to the Panthers. I honestly don't think they have too many interesting players in the skill positions. You could stash Jordan Scarlett in the hopes that he gets some work to give Christian McCaffrey a break. I'm not going to touch on him. I don't think he's a particularly interesting player other than that potential opportunity. But I do like Will Greer. Uh, Third-round pick for the Panthers, quarterback out of Florida and then West Virginia. Um, Came into the league pretty old, uh, but he did have some off-the-field issues in college, which required him sort of to transfer. Um, So he stayed in college a little longer than he might have otherwise. Uh, So the old age coming into the NFL, understandable. Still not ideal, obviously. Uh, But really, Cam Newton's 30 years old, and he's not the type of quarterback that's going to play into his 40s like Tom Brady. Uh, I still think he's probably got several years left in him, but on the off chance that he doesn't or that the injuries start to take a toll, I've already seen it with Andrew Luck now, uh, Will Greer could step into a role. He was a very productive college player, very prolific passer, uh, really at West Virginia, but impressive college quarterback and could be the guy to step in if something does happen to Cam Newton, if he decides to step away, anything like that. Uh, Greer, over an 80 college QBR, uh, 79th percentile, almost 10 yards per attempt in college. Very impressive number, uh, especially uh, in his Florida days. Pretty good there, but uh, in West Virginia, he really opened it up. And obviously, Big 12 passing offenses can be a little more open, but still impressive number. Uh, Breakout, like I said, late because of his transfer. And athletically, impressive enough across the board. Speed, decent, burst, decent, agility, decent, all above average. Uh, Good throw velocity, 59 miles an hour. That's 90th percentile. Good wonder lick. Who cares? Uh, but impressive profile, very impressive college player, and could get it, get some opportunity. And we'll touch on Ian Thomas here. And depending on whether he's eligible for your taxi squad, uh, still an interesting guy that I think you can buy relatively cheap on. Uh, Greg Olson, certainly not going to be in the league for too much longer. He's got one foot constantly broken, it seems like. So Ian Thomas, uh, probably a guy that will step into some opportunity sooner rather than later. Uh, good size, 6'4", 259 pounds, uh, so very, very good size. Very impressive athletically. Uh, all athletic measurables above the 70th percentile, speed, burst, agility, catch radius. Um, he did break out pretty late, but really he only played one year of college football at Indiana. Didn't really do much with that. Almost a 20% dominator rating, which is fine. Uh, but Indiana was just such an anemic passing offense that it's hard to really read too much from his college career. Uh, Just the fact that he picked up the position in one year and produced is impressive enough, and that sort of upside and that athleticism could translate into fantasy production down the line. So I'm interested in Ian Thomas. I'll move on to the New Orleans Saints. Two interesting players. Well, really one. Uh, Divine Ozigbo, rookie running back out of Nebraska. He went undrafted, um, but 
he, I figure he'll probably be the third behind Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara. He was an impressive college player. About a quarter of Nebraska's total offense ran through him. Over seven yards per carry in the Big Ten. Very good number. And almost a 10% college target share. So all-purpose back. He's got the size uh, to be an all-purpose back. And really the question is opportunity. But taxi squad, I generally lean towards stashing good players in bad situations relative to bad players in good situations. Uh, so Zigbo, definitely a guy I'm interested in stashing. And then you hope a year or two from now that that backfield looks a little different and he gets some opportunity <laughs> and potentially that they figure out their quarterback situation. The other one, just briefly, Simi Cobbs. He was an undrafted receiver out of Indiana, um, but he's one of those big guys, 6'3", 220, um, sort of like Kelvin Harmon that we touched on. But Simi Cobbs, one of those big play, go up and get it, contested catch wide receivers. Uh, the Saints may be hoping that that's Traquan Smith. Uh, he plays sort of a different style of game than Cobbs, though. So they don't really have a player like that. I mean, they've got Michael Thomas as their alpha, but he's not quite the same type of player as Cobbs either. So it's just very, very deep leagues. Uh, probably more than 30-man rosters at least before you'd consider Simi Cobbs. But um, worth stashing in very, very deep leagues, I think, just based on how his skill set matches with the other receivers on the team and potential future opportunity. Stranger things have happened. Uh, I wouldn't be looking at him in leagues with under 30-man rosters for sure, though. And over to the Tampa Bay Bucks, one guy that seems like the cat's out of the bag on this one, but however you say it, Dare Ogunbowale, the running back out of Wisconsin. He went undrafted, but he almost looks like the favorite to be the passing down back this year already. Um, sort of just due to the Bucks' incompetence at having running backs with any talent level. Uh, Peyton Barber certainly the favorite to open up on early downs. You'd think Ronald Jones might get some opportunity after being a second-round pick, but, you know, you never know. Cert certainly seems like that might not happen. Uh, so you, you want to stash Dare. Uh, not a crazy impressive college player, but the number that stands out is a 12%. 11.9, but basically 12% college target share, 85th percentile. And as a guy that you can put on the field as you're passing down back, that's the number you really like to see. 5'11", 213 as far as size. So looks like a satellite back, played like a satellite back in college. Um, doesn't have impressive athletic measurables. Over the 50th percentile burst and agility, but otherwise uninspiring. However, that depth chart is barren. There's absolutely nothing there. And that offense would probably be relatively prolific. Uh, so he's interesting for that reason and that reason alone. And so he should be stashed. I would be inclined to put him on the bench and just see if it happens and cut him otherwise. So maybe not actually a taxi squad guy, uh, but he's interesting and probably relatively cheap unless your league mates have already caught on. And then a couple of wide receivers. Justin Watson, I think we talked at length about him last year. Um, just uber athlete across the board. Very impressive. Tested off the charts in everything except agility. Uh, 6'2", 215 is a very good size. Absolutely broke the college dominator scale. 60% at UPenn. Um, so not a big time player, but did absolutely everything there that you could have asked. Broke out at age 19, so very young. Uh, really everything across the board. Incredibly impressive, though it is in the context of playing at UPenn. Um, but really, now that Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys are out of that offense, Watson has a decent case to be made to be the third receiver. Uh, we'll see if that pans out. Definitely more talk that is Brashad Perriman this year, but 
Watson is an incredibly impressive college player. I wish we could have seen him play at a big big time school instead of UPenn to see if he's really uh, up to snuff. But I, I think you have to stash him based on the production, the athleticism, the breakout age, and hope that he's able to take that third wide receiver job from Perriman. And the last guy here, Emmanuel Hall. Uh, there was some some hype around him when he went to the Bears originally, undrafted free agent out of Missouri. Um, but now he's made his way to the Bucks, and he's another one of those guys, very impressive athlete, 90th percentile speed, 99th percentile burst score, 6'2", 201, so good size. Um, and he's one of those guys that should have gotten drafted, absolutely. Uh, very productive player at Missouri. Over a third of their passing offense ran through him. At a college like Missouri, that's an impressive mark, especially considering the context of his team over the last couple years at Missouri. The number that's most impressive, 22.4 yards per catch, 97th percentile, so extreme, extreme deep ball threat. And I would have liked him to take the Taylor Gabriel role in Chicago, uh, but maybe he's going to end up taking the Deshaun Jackson role in Tampa. So we'll see. Uh, I definitely prefer Watson especially given the draft capital and the fact that the Bucks actually drafted him um, and did not draft Hall. But Hall is still a very impressive player, and in deep enough leagues, you definitely have to stash both. And our last conference here, let's put a bow on this with the NFC West. Um, really not too many terribly interesting players here, uh, but let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. They've got a guy by the name of Wes Hills deep on the depth chart in running back. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of hype around David Johnson. Chase Edmonds, a nice upside, high-value handcuff. But Wes Hills, uh, he went to a college called Slippery Rock. Yes, that's a real place. And he went undrafted, of course. Uh, but impressive producer at Slippery Rock. Almost eight yards per carry and accounted for over a third of their offense. So like I've mentioned with a couple of these other guys, he went to a small school but did basically everything you could have there. Um, 61209, so not quite the size you'd like. I'd like to see it closer to 220, but um, still certainly big enough to hold up to a full workload. And David Johnson is not as young as he used to be, and Chase Edmonds theoretically would be the next man up. Uh, but as with a lot of running back depth charts, you'd be very surprised to look back two or three years and see how different some of them look. Um, so as I've mentioned before, I like to stash good players, even if they're in bad situations. I think Wes Hills is a very good player. We don't have much data about him otherwise because he went to Slippery Rock. Um, so very limited in terms of athletic testing. Don't have much as far as uh, college production outside of the basic counting stats. Uh, but certainly from everything I've seen, he looks like an impressive player and kind of guy you could stash not in 25-man leagues, Maybe not even in 30, but Deep League certainly has some appeal. Uh, the other guy I want to talk about, not a taxi squad guy, uh, because you're going to be able to put him on your IR slot, or maybe taxi got more power to you if you want, uh, but really just a buy low announcement on Hakeem Butler. Uh, everybody, well, not a, most people as far as draft analysts, the Twitter fantasy community, had Hakeem Butler as a first-round rookie pick before the NFL draft. And uh, that changed pretty quickly when he got drafted in the fourth round. But still, regardless of all of that, he was an impressive college player, very impressive receiver, size-speed guy, contested catch player, very good hands. Uh, so 6'5", 227 is one of the bigger wide receivers out there. 43.5% dominator rating. 
at Iowa State. It took him until his final year, which is a red flag. He had the red shirt. Uh, he ended up not producing early. You know, it took him until his final season there, which is not great, especially at a school like Iowa State where you should come on and break out right away. Because really he was being held back by a guy we've talked about already, Alan Lazard, uh, who went undrafted and hasn't done anything in the NFL. So the problem is Hakeem Butler couldn't beat him out. But at the same time, he's still a very impressive player, and uh, you'd like to think there's another reason. So we'll give him the benefit of the doubt, uh, especially you do like his college uh, 22 yards per reception mark. That's 97th percentile. And like I said, despite the late breakout, some of these other metrics are just impressive enough by themselves that I'm willing to overlook it. Um, athletically, he's a beast. 97th percentile speed, 73rd percentile burst. Um, 96 percentile catch radius, agility just below average, but still certainly good enough for a guy that size, um, but not going to be a slot player, so the speed and burst are what you like to see, the catch radius very good. Uh, a year or two from now, he could be the alpha dog in Arizona, and uh, that offense could be pretty potent if they fix the offensive line and if Kyler Murray turns out to be everything we hope. So definitely worth stashing. If you don't have him, I would certainly be trying to buy low all year long. Uh, maybe even into next offseason. And uh, let's move on here to San Francisco. Uh, the only guy I want to talk about because the running back and wide receiver situations are such a mess. Most of those guys probably aren't really taxi squad candidates. You've either got the guys that are uh, bench worthy or everybody else is just not even worth it. Um, so I do want to talk about Nick Mullins, though, because he pretty much has performed as well as Jimmy Garoppolo throughout Garoppolo's NFL career. Uh, very limited sample size for Garoppolo. Very limited for Mullins as well. Um, but really, Mullins played well, um, at least relative to Garoppolo. Basically the same output, similar efficiency. Um, so just, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if Garoppolo is traded, uh, if they can get out of his contract. I don't know his contract situation. Um, but Mullins, a guy that a couple years down the line could start to surface again, uh, especially if he sticks on this roster. So super flex, 2QB, not a normal size league. This is a very, very deep pick, just on the off chance that something happens. Uh, so probably 35-plus in a super flex format, but uh, very deep leagues. He's a good enough backup, and he's played well enough in the action he's gotten, which is certainly more than a lot of backups in the league can say. Um, so I think he's one of the more interesting backup quarterbacks out there. And that's the only guy for San Fran. So we'll move over here to Seattle. They've got a couple players that I'm trying to stash. One of them is Travis Homer. Uh, he's a satellite back, came out of Miami. Uh, he was drafted, six-round pick, so late, but he still was uh, drafted, which is good. And really, Seattle doesn't have an established satellite back. They have J.D. McKissick, and they have C.J. Proceis. Neither one has what I would call an extensive track record. Uh, so Homer, there's a world where he could step in and be a passing down back as soon as this year, theoretically. I'm not expecting it this year. I expect it to really be mostly Chris Carson and Rashad Penny uh, and limited work outside of that. But at 5'10", 201, perfect satellite back size. Um, I wish I had seen more college targets from him, just a 6.6% share. Uh, but I think you can expect that to be a little bit better and not be a true illumination of his upside in the NFL as far as a passing down back. Um, and his athleticism is very good, so I think he's the kind of guy that once you get him in space, 
uh, you'll see that target share number not be truly indicative of his upside as a passing down back in the NFL. Uh, speed is good, 4.48, 40-yard dash, 84th percentile, very good burst, 94th percentile burst score. Um, so if you get him in space, he'll be able to break big plays. Um, and on a depth chart without a guy very similar to him that's established, uh, definitely a lot worse start, start throws than Travis Homer. He's probably more of a 30-man roster type stash rather than 25, um, but definitely has some appeal there. And the other guy I want to talk about had a little bit of hype, but sort of faded pretty quickly is Gary Jennings, uh, just athletic beast, uh, 90th percentile plus speed, almost 80th percentile burst, just very, very good. Not agile, but otherwise off the charts almost. Uh, 6'1", 214, so nice, good size, can play on the outside, be one of those big alpha dog receivers. Um, obviously, the problem with that is that the Seahawks also drafted DK Metcalf. However, there's been a lot of talk about his limited route tree in college, so he could turn into a deep ball threat, a relatively limited situational player, and Gary Jennings could be a guy that out-targets Metcalf down the line. Uh, but Met, uh, not Metcalf, Jennings, very impressive college player at West Virginia, uh, on a team with you know some other competent talent around him, including David Sills. Uh, but over a third of the passing offense went through Jennings, uh, the alpha dog there, and 17 yards per catch, a very impressive mark. Broke out at 20 and a half, which is middle of the pack. Uh, but at a team like West Virginia, you can probably rationalize that away well enough that uh, I'm certainly willing to forgive it, especially based on all those other numbers, the athleticism, uh, the situation where he could truly become an alpha dog, um, that's definitely in the range of outcomes. So I'm willing to look by some of the red flags there, uh, which aren't huge problems, just things that I would have liked to see a little better. But then again, that's probably the reason he was drafted in the fourth round and Metcalf was a second rounder. Uh, so last team here we'll hit on is the Rams. Uh, I don't have any good taxi squad guys for the Rams, so I want to put out a couple buy low announcements. I'm trying to buy Malcolm Brown, uh, and that includes late in deep redraft leagues. Uh, Malcolm Brown, I think, is the true backup to Todd Gurley. There's a lot of talk about Henderson. The thing is, Henderson is probably a 9 to 12 touch a game guy. I would say right around that 10 touch per game mark. And that's probably less if Todd Gurley's active. Maybe it's right around that range. But if Todd Gurley misses time, Malcolm Brown is probably going to get more touches than Darrell Henderson. And that's not the general consensus, but Malcolm Brown is the true bell cow size player. He's probably going to be the early down back at worst case. Uh, not a super strong pass catcher, but 5'11", 224, relatively productive college player at Texas, uh, but probably slides more into a grinder role. So I think Malcolm Brown will be the guy getting more touches, and Darrell Henderson is probably more like the Alvin Kamara type role, not a similar player to Alvin Kamara in my mind, uh, but that passing down 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 touches, but I don't think we'll see Daryl Henderson get 20 touches per game if Gurley goes down. So Malcolm Brown's the guy that I would put my money on to get 15 plus touches in that case, and he's less than half the price of Henderson. I mean, he's basically free in any format, so Malcolm Brown is a guy I'm aggressively trying to buy. And the other guy I think you can probably buy relatively low on here is Gerald Everett. Uh, young tight end, might not be eligible for taxi, but still I think just a buy low candidate in general. Um, came out of South Alabama at 6'3", 240, so undersized, one of those move tight ends. 
but that's perfectly fine because he was an extremely productive pass catcher. Over 30% of their offense ran through him uh, in college and just over 14 yards per catch for tight ends. That's a very impressive mark. Uh, not the same scale as wide receivers, obviously. And an athletic beast, uh, 74th percentile speed, 93rd percentile burst, 82nd percentile agility, just uh, you know above above the 70th percentile across the board. Not off the charts, but very, very impressive. Uh, so absolute athletic masterpiece as far as tight ends go. Uh, productive college player. Second round pick, so he's got the draft capital. And really relatively little competition as far as tight ends on that team go. So playing time, you got to figure, will come before too long. And his price is not anywhere near in line with his upside at the NFL level, especially given the context of that offense. Uh, the big holdback as far as his ceiling is going to be Cooper Cup. Uh, it's very, very difficult for a team to have three fantasy viable receivers and a fantasy viable tight end. Uh, this would be one of those cases where Everett might not produce this year and certainly hasn't produced reliably up to this point in his career, but uh, you hold him in the hopes that things change a year or two out and you bank on the talent and the upside, the athleticism, the college production, and uh, he's absolutely one of those guys that you stash that has a ton of upside and could pay off in a big way. And that does it here. That's all 32 teams, at least one player uh, that you can either buy low on, stack Stash at the end of your bench. Stick on your taxi squad. Um, so for those of you who have those decisions coming up, good luck with those. I hope everyone enjoys the last couple games of preseason here tonight. Uh, they'll be over by the time you hear this. And you know, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Let me know if you guys want any content covered during the season. We'll probably dial it back a little bit um, and let shows with more of a redraft focus take the spotlight a little bit. Uh, we'll do something here and there throughout the season in the Dynasty context. Uh, but for now, I'm Mark Leopold. Check me out on Twitter at LeopoldNFL. Check out the site at Gridiron Experts on Twitter at Gridiron Experts. And check out our other great shows. Uh, there are several different podcasts in this channel. You can find them all at gridironexperts.com slash podcast. Um, check out our sponsor, Fantasy Data. They're doing great work over there. Make sure you have all the tools you need to dominate this fantasy season. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.